Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi guys, Laura here with another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I'm super, super excited about our guest today, especially because it's been a long time coming and because our topic is uh, anti-anxiety. And as many of you know, I'm in the midst of a pretty stressful, chaotic transition. And I can attest to a lot of, I think, what we're going to talk about in that my diet and lifestyle habits have made a huge impact on my ability to cope with all of it um, at once. So uh, today we have on the podcast Allie Miller. She's a RD, LD, and CDE, which we'll dive into <laughs> what those are. Um, she is an integrative functional dietitian, author of Naturally Nourished Food as Medicine for Optimal Health Cookbook from 2016, and the more recently published anti anti anxiety diet book, um, which was just published this year, right, 2018. Um, she's the creator of Reset, Restore, Renew Real Food Detox Program, Optimal Eating Virtual Class, and Interactive Virtual Food as Medicine Ketosis Program. Allie's food as medicine philosophy is supported by up-to-date scientific research for a functional approach to healing the body. Her expertise can be accessed through her website, www.alliemillerrd.com, offering a blog, podcast, online learning, and access to our virtual practice. Allie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited for a fun conversation. Such a treat. I feel like we have a lot in common. So you have a toddler. Yes. And how old, how old is this little <laughs> so one? Stella, Miss Stella is uh, two years and almost four months. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Evie is almost 16 months. So they're like just about a year apart. That's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. All of the, I mean, <laughs> it just all starts to happen. I heard, I, I kind of do agree with this, that the return on investment with your child starts at four months <laughs> and then it just continues to grow. I mean, there's times of hair pulling and all the things, but yes. Once you start to get that feedback and that reciprocal relationship, it's always symbiotic, right? Mm -hmm. But there's just so much more as their communication skills and their mobility. And it's just, it's, it's all, all the good and all of the intensity at the same time. Exactly. The (laughs) intensity. We're in the transition of going from hands and knees crawling to walking and she is um, frustrated. She's frustrated. <laughs> it's interesting. She wants us to like walk her with our fingers all the time. And we're like, no, you, you know, it's important that you do some of this on your own. And she gets so mad. And it's, it's really interesting to watch where you can literally like seal, see the, uh, the wheels turning in her mind and like trying to figure it all out. And it's, it's pretty cool. I, I love watching her move. It's been fun for me since the beginning. And well, it's just every new, every new skill, right? Every new thing they learn is like, it's, it's opens their world. It's so cool. And well-nourished babies tend to be heavy bottomed. <laughs> it's an okay thing. That's where the reserves are. That's where that breast milk reserve is. Yes. And um, also, you know, as far as working with our right and left brain hemisphere, crawling is a really fantastic mm-hmm. developmental skill for central nervous system balance. So I always take it, it as a win. Yes. Yeah. So I always not, take it for a win. Like we're not pushing her to walk. Actually, we weren't going to prop her at all for walking, like hold her or support her. I don't know how it started, maybe a grandmother or something. And so yeah. she figured out she could hold fingers and walk. And she is like, it's all she wants to do all day. <laughs> so we're just rolling with it. But yeah, we had Eliza Parker on and we did an episode all about like the importance of belly crawling and hands and knees mm-hmm. crawling. And it's just, I find it to be so fascinating on like a, on a physical level, a biological level, an emotional level, a mental level. It's just, it's really cool how much movement and headspace um, are intertwined. For sure. Absolutely. So awesome. Cool. Well, okay. Let's dive in. Before we do, I want to um, ask you a little icebreaker question. So we're heading into the holiday season. And my question for you is what is your favorite holiday tradition, especially now that you have a, a little one? So traditions with Stella were just starting to get going and she's just starting to recollect like, uh, you know, what Christmas tree is and, and certain things. But I really like hanging ornaments on the tree. And um, that was something that last year she was 
So she was six months her first Christmas, kind of hard to experience. <laughs> and then she was at 18 months last Christmas. And this year will be banging at two and a half. Um, yeah, we are because, exactly a year behind you. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So she played a really fun role with like undoing all the tissue and, you know, handing to me and, and just the whole tactile experience yeah. and even playing with the delicate ones that can break and learning about that. And um, it's been a fun thing. And then always, just like when you have a pet, you know, you have to watch the lower levels <laughs> of what ornaments you select in that area. And the more heirlooms go up top, of course, for just looking with the eyes. Um, but um, that's probably our, our most favorite. And then my favorite food tradition. Yes, is always. Adding, we got to talk adding, about the food. <laughs> yeah, adding organs into like everything. Like my whole family is always like, what did you mix organs into? Obviously a pan gravy if I'm, I'm hosting Thanksgiving. I'm going to put all the gizzards into it, um, into the gravy and things like that. And then, you know, I, I my whole household is gluten-free and grain-free. So uh, we use different fun things to thicken it. But um, cool. that's what's your favorite thickener best. for gravy? Because we've oh. tried like certain ones, I feel like make it almost like gooey. So what yeah. Do you like best? So most recent, actually, I've been using a little bit of gelatin and collagen. Actually, I had used arrowroot pretty successfully and kudzu. Those were the two thickeners okay. that I was using historically. But um, if you mix a higher ratio, like a three to one collagen to gelatin and literally only still adding like a total of a tablespoon. So okay. like less than a half, like a half teaspoon of gelatin um, while it's hot. Um, it will still, of course, gelatinize, but any good gravy will anyway, because you know, it's just, it has all the good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you most of the time eat it hot unless it's on a sandwich, which we've right. done in the past. And <laughs> uh, we got sure. some of that um, sourdough from Bread Seriously and made like leftover sandwiches and they were so good. Awesome. I bet. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, cool. I love it. Now I'm ready for the holidays. It's, it's only October right now, but I'm like, let's do it. I'm in. Um, cool. I love it. Okay. So today we're going to talk primarily about, um, your more recent book and the, the, the concepts that encompasses in terms of the anti-anxiety diet, um, and how food can stabilize our moods, which I just find to be absolutely fascinating and never more relevant in my life than, postpartum until now like this these oh, sure. it's it's unreal um around for me around six months postpartum I started getting like heavy brain fog and we had been making our own homemade sourdough and I was you know it was the holidays and I was like eating not a ton of sugar but not not super well um and definitely not enough fat I don't think and just more carbohydrate dense and um more sh more sugar than I would usually and I remember just waking up on December 25th like on the 26th and being like I'm done no more sugar and I was like heavy brain fog, a little bit gloomy, just like feeling lethargic and tired. And then I changed my diet and like my whole world changed. And so I can't wait to dive into this um, and learn more and implement more, especially through the transitions we're going through. And then I know most of our listenership are either some preconception, but mm -hmm. um, some pregnant, some postpartum, some further along in parenthood. And uh, yeah. no matter where we are in life, whether we're a female, male, pregnant, not pregnant, moms, not moms, everyone can benefit from this because we all feel stress. Right. And, and that's the thing is I, I, when I was asked to do this project, so I was actually, um, a, approached by the publisher that I worked with mm. to write the anti-anxiety diet. And it's interesting because, so I'm a, I'm a functional medicine practitioner. And so when I'm working with an individual, I always say that I'm the detective of their body. Um, you know, so I spend 90 minutes in an initial consultation asking them so many questions where they often leave that consult knowing more about themselves and their body than they did before we kind of unfurled all of the layers of the onion of their body, right? And so, I mean, we spend like, you know, 10 minutes talking about poop alone. <laughs> and so it's a very deep consultation. And I've really determined in my 10 years of clinical experience that if the HPA axis, which is our hypothalamus pituitary adrenal, this sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight mechanism of the body. If our HPA axis is mismanaged or in overdrive mode or in chronic fatigue mode, that the body cannot sustainably heal. It's like we're just playing whack-a-mole with leaky gut treatment or estrogen dominance or, you know, micronutrient deficiency. And so I kind of made this premise that anxiety, whether you call it HPA axis dysfunction, whether you call it adrenal fatigue, whether you call it stressed and wired, stressed and tired, or anxiety, whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> but anxiety is the Achilles heel to, to wellness. And if that's not managed, we're going to see burnout in varied different functions. And so I kind of take this functional medicine approach with the book as a thesis in six different entry points. And they all use the letter R just to kind of keep it sexy, but um, of different ways that 
you can actually address anxiety and resolve different root causes, but also different influences that can perpetuate chronic stress response or imbalance in the body. Okay. I love it. So on that note, how does stress cause imbalance? Like specifically do you, I mean, what do you think there? What's the, what is the, the cause? Like how, yes. So what is stress's exact role in causing that imbalance and vice versa? Yeah. So, you know, there's actual physiological influences of stress. One of the main ones is that it keeps us in a reactive mode. And when we're running as humans in reactive mode, thinking ancestral, we're not managing our regulatory function. And so in reactive mode is where we're running on adrenaline. We make more epinephrine, which is a stress responding chemical. In reactive mode, we're going to be burning through our serotonin and our GABA, which are neuroinhibitory or mellowing out neuro compounds. In reactive mode, we're generally going to be overstimulating cortisol or our cortisol feedback is not acknowledged for a survival mind state. So we're going to be dealing with stubborn belly fat. We're going to be dealing with insomnia. We're going to be dealing with in fatigue on the other end. Once that cortisol gets pooped out, we deal with chronic inflammation and histamine reactivity. And in reactive mood, really importantly, is our regulatory function gets shut down. And that's our ovaries or gonads for women or men. So our sexual function, as well as our thyroid, our sleep cycles, our satiety, Our leptin hormone gets thrown off, which has such a role with how we regulate um, in the body balance. And, um, you know, really, we become these hyper overdrive machines that that don't get that that nice pendulum swing back into that regulatory function. So I guess that's the most simplistic way is we're in reactive versus regulatory mode. And our regulatory function includes reproduce, rest and digest, which we talk about fight or flight versus rest and digest. So our digestion, our sleep cycles, our reproductive health and our metabolism. Dang. Okay. So. That's fascinating. And you clearly know so much about this. So before we dive into more stuff, I am curious to know, because you're clearly an expert, so much experience. Is this something that you've dealt with yourself? What got you into finding your passion to write this book and to talk about anxiety? Yeah. And so um, my my book opens with my story. And uh, I have always been type A. I was a ballerina. Um, my initial uh, major was going to be dance in college. And um, I think most dancers are pretty type A. Um, granted I had dreadlocks, so I was like a looser, <laughs> man, ballerina. I like you. <laughs> so, you know, like I was a ballerina, but, and I still was type A in certain ways, but still hippie chic, whatever. Um, and, and so I, I realized very early on that, um, you know, I wasn't going to become a professional dancer. I would be teaching dance and that that wasn't my bliss. Uh, I got really into sustainable food movement. My husband, then boyfriend, was doing organic farming. And um, I became from vegetarian to vegan very quickly. And I thought that I I was involved with Animal Welfare Act. Um, So kind of like a subsidiary of, um, oh, what's the big one with the animals? PETA. Um, PETA, yeah, Yeah. like a subsidiary of PETA. Um, And um, I thought that I was going to change the world by making everyone vegetarian or vegan. I went to a naturopathic college outside of Seattle, Bastyr University. And um, when I was there, I even took advanced courses outside of Bastyr to become a raw vegan chef. And it became this trifecta of a total crash and burn for my body. Um, Now, knowing what I know about lectins and anti-nutrients in the diet in a raw vegan diet, following a vegan diet that was very high in like seitan, like vital wheat gluten that I was eating as a primary protein and a lot of tofu, um, sprouted tofu wasn't a thing then. This is like early 2000s. Um, And so a lot of soy, a lot of gluten, a lot of grains. Then I went raw vegan, a lot of raw vegetables Mm. and just gut stressors. And I'm a type A overachiever that wanted to literally master everything. I was like, I don't want A's. I want to be able to spit out the Krebs cycle of biochem. Like I want to, you know, master these things. I was taking electives in um, wild mushroom foraging and herbal medicine making. And I, I really wanted to just do this naturopathic thing. Um, and I, I started having panic attacks. Um, I started having to like pull my car over on my way to classes. Um, I was getting like tunnel vision blackouts. I was driving a farm truck. They were like these old mail trucks, box trucks in um, Carnation, Washington, in the mountains, um, doing a farm stand delivery. And I remember like 
I had to go through this tunnel in downtown Seattle and it was just like not happy. I mean, I was like severe palpitations, wow. white knuckle, not functional. Um, and so I started working with a naturopath at the clinic that I was interning at. And um, when they ran my ferritin levels, my, which is a, a marker of iron storage, uh, my ferritin was at a two. Um, I was beyond anemic um, and uh, my B12 was clinically low, which that means a lot if your serum levels are low of B12. Um, and um, I was given a bunch of supplements and I decided at that time that if food as medicine was going to be my thing, I needed to make peace with eating animals actually. And so that was a huge transition of my journey. And I, I talk about the, that in the anti-anxiety diet, um, you know, that yes, you could do this program in a way vegetarian, but there's just so many more bioavailable nutrients. And, um, you know, when I was able to make peace with the synergy of the food system and, and the piece of how animals work within the, the earth and whatnot, um, it was a big game change for me health wise. And then I went kind of gaps, um, mm -hmm. got autoimmune syndrome, um, cause I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's as well. Okay. Um, so I think resources you use to help you find that piece? Because I know for me, I, I read the, I was a very similar, very similar story. So sick, so anemic um, and infertile, no period. And I was also vegan, vegetarian, somewhere in the between at, at multiple times. And I read the um, vegetarian myth and that helped oh. me. And I don't know if you've heard of it, or, but for you, was it, it seems like because you were A-type, you did a lot of like research, you wanted to yeah. know, was there a tool, just in case anyone listening is in yeah. the same shoes, if, if, if there's resources that maybe helped you like fill that gap or, or make that leap, um, to better understanding. So the gut and psychology. So, so wise traditions actually, okay. um, was the book that really turned me. That was like a Bible, yeah. <laughs> um, and Weston A. Price foundation. And, and it's interesting because a lot of my professors at the naturopathic college would, would kind of push me because they knew I was an intellect and they would say, so you're telling me that, that you think it's sustained, you know, like, is it, is it really nourishing to eat earth balance? You know, this says, you know what a trans fat is. This is maybe not partially hydrogenated, but what's been done to it since harvest are all of its edible parts still intact. You can go get butter turned on the road, you know? And, and so it took a lot of rewriting. And one of my favorite mantras, um, Laura, that I think might resonate with you and listeners is that doctrine creates disconnect. And I think that, with our diets, we often go in this doctrination. I mean, anyway, whether it's keto, whether it's paleo, whether it's vegan, whether it's whatever, and our bodies are constantly evolving. Our bodies have different needs with season, with stress level, with hormones, with demand. And if we're in doctrine mode and our diet becomes our religion, then we dumb down the feedback from our body and we're not listening to the signals and our body is screaming. Like I was not able to drive a car, right. you know, I mean, so it gets to the point where you're pulling out handfuls of hair mm. and wondering what's going wrong. Um, and so I really think that that openness to listen to the signals of the body is a really important piece to healing. Yeah, it's intuition. I love that. I have actually goosebumps because I like I just feel like there's so many things that align. And I remember pulling hair out. I remember riding my bike to class and feeling so exhausted because I had bronchitis and pneumonia at the same time, but still had to go to class. And I just stopped riding my bike and started sobbing. So much anxiety. And so it's just amazing that what can come from being a little bit more intuitive with, with your body's needs. Um, mm -hmm. And that can still be done while paying attention to the needs of the planet and other, you know, the, the whole like cycle. Right. And I think that, that when that comes full circle, it's pretty, pretty powerful. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. So, um, I guess then any, anything else to add to your story, I guess from there. I mean, right, no, so I just, yeah. So I mean, I, pulled, I, I followed gaps, right. Yeah. So I pulled out grains and then, um, you know, I, I made peace very quickly with animal products. I had shucked raw oysters from an Island off of Washington within a week and was adding, I started with raw egg yolks to my green smoothie. Mm -hmm. It was like an organic step in. And then, um, I actually watched a cow get slaughtered. Um, which was a turning point because I had to make peace of the process. I had watched way too many fear mongering documentaries about these like horrific, mm -hmm. um, you know, processes that I needed to see that it could be, you know, one day you're eating, you're living your best life eating spring grasses and then it's all good, you know, and it's this, this again, perpetual cycle. And interestingly enough, I started to learn that, that even that cow comparison of stress, um, some of the biological factors. So there's a, there's an amino acid called glutamine. Mm -hmm. And so we think of glutamine and its role in gut health. Uh, glutamine is actually 
the fuel source to our gut cells. So when I'm working with someone with leaky gut, beyond recommending things like bone broth, I have them use supplemental uh, glutamine. I have a, a supplement in my line called GI lining support, and it's L-glutamine at a pretty high dosage. Um, so it actually rebuilds your gut lining, and it feeds your enterocytes, your gut cells. And that can help to reduce food sensitivity. It can also help to increase nutrient absorption. But glutamine is also seen in our muscles. So if we have signs like a lot of people with inflammatory bowel, like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, get muscle soreness. And that's because they're glutamine depleted because of that, that gut wear and tear. So they don't have that nutrient. Well, they've seen studies in cows when cows are slaughtered in a stressful environment, their glutamine levels plummet. And that actually makes for a more tough meat cut um, because that glutamine creates a nice soft tissue. Um, and so, you know, when I kind of learned about this like full circle connection of like glutamine is depleted with stress mm -hmm. and we know glutamine plays a role both for us as a benefit for gut lining support, but also for muscle function. And, and now they're looking at the way and practices of slaughter. When you vote with your dollar, you're going to get better quality product that they're not exposing the animal to stress because they know better, you know, they want that better end product. They don't want that distress chemical depletion. Uh, so pretty interesting. It's fascinating. I love it. Um, very cool. Okay. So you've definitely come full circle. <laughs> and I think <laughs> yeah. uh, many people are grateful for that. I mean, you, obviously your health is uh, probably first priority, but then the number of people who you probably helped improve their health is also really, really powerful. Um, so we're talking about anxiety and mm -hmm. in terms of like healing and improving that through food. So you know, uh, I think the, the elephant in the room is the, all the other ways to approach healing or I guess not healing, but band-aiding potential anxiety or mood disorders or, or just issues. And so, yeah. um, where are common treatments for anxiety and depression, getting things wrong? Why go food? Why go? Yeah. Why, why look at diet instead? Or maybe in, yeah. in addition and, to. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes we, we, um, you know, absolutely need things, especially when we're coming from a state of panic or distress or high stress demand, we definitely need tools beyond just the foods we can consume. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of nutritional supplementation. Um, I find supplements to be just that, a supplement to your lifestyle demand. So if you are running on empty and you had a poor crappy night of sleep, you know, because your baby's keeping you up and you are maybe moving or right, you're dealing right. with whatever is going on, your body is in burnout mode. So you have to supplement that, you know, versus waiting for a vital organ to shut down or waiting for a distress signal to come about. And, and so it's important to kind of acknowledge both ends of the spectrum. But when we're talking about, uh, you know, more allopathic or conventional medical model, we use end stream approaches of uh, receptor modulators. So we use drugs like SSRIs or SSRNIs or, um, and what those are, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or some of them work on norepinephrine, or some of them like Wellbutrin work on dopamine. So what these drugs do is they work on a feedback mechanism to block the biofeedback to say that the brain has enough so that we go into perpetual firing mode. And the issue is, is that most of these drugs are prescribed within less than a five minute visit to a mm. doctor, not even, I mean, a majority actually of, of antipsychotics and anti-anxiety and antidepressant drugs are prescribed by a GP, a general practitioner that has a five minute meeting with the patient that they're prescribing to. So not even a psychiatrist, which is remarkable to me. Yeah. Um, and then to take it further, um, even when prescribed, Often a practitioner doesn't do genetic testing where they understand the person's susceptibility to lows. Um, they don't do neurotransmitter metabolite testing, um, and they definitely don't do micronutrient testing. So all three of those things should be strongly considered when selecting a medication that's going to interfere a biofeedback of the body because often we're just shooting in the dark downstream and that's where we can see selective serotonin um, or, or, or serotonin excess disorder where we can see mania we can often go through a cocktail of different drugs before we find one that works um, and or we're told to hang in there and deal with it and it'll get better when our libido's plummeted and we have no feelings and we're numb and we're not getting balanced um, and so when we look upstream medicine, we're doing just that. We are looking at the whys and we're looking at 
on a genetic level what someone is predisposed to. So do they have MTHFR? This is a, a gene that plays a role with methylation. Um, and that might be too big down the rabbit hole, but that but that's a huge role of, of building or excreting. Yeah. And often the individual will then have issues with serotonin production. Um, someone can have a COMT gene, which stands for catecholamine methyltransferase, but basically the stress responding chemicals build up. So they're more prone towards excessive epinephrine. We would deal with each individual differently. And again, beyond that, then there's nutrient deficiencies. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite first stream of defense is a nutrient repletion plan and blending that with adaptogens and nervines, which are herbs that help us to shield ourselves or bubble wrap, if you will, at times of increased demand. And then we can even strategically pulse things in that we know are metabolized or burned out on high based on our stress demand before getting to that level of depletion. Fascinating. Okay, cool. I love it. So it's kind of like this synergistic approach where you, multiple, we, we focus on multiple areas and support that unique individual. Yeah. I mean, and, and finally, some doctors are starting to do the genetic piece. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, I think that the micronutrients are huge because Susie Q could come to me with, you know, a, a, an early diagnosis of prediabetes, hair loss. Um, she might be dealing with uh, belly fat and hypertension and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And she may be on a, a, a steroid drug topically for her hair loss. She may be on metformin for her prediabetes. She may be on hydrochlorothiazide for her blood pressure. And she may be taking melatonin for her insomnia. And then maybe considering a fifth medication for anxiety and something as simple as biotin could be a functional deficiency nutrient that could be driving all of that distress. And she could be low because she's eating egg whites instead of egg yolks and egg whites bind biotin in the body. You know, it's like, it's these simple yeah. um, kind of uh, detective ways of solving the what as well as the why. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. And, and I think about that makes me think about postpartum when so many women are kind of told that they need to lose weight really quickly. And so they start cutting out foods that are so essential Ugh. in the diet in a time that is even more important to get them because they're recovering from growing a human and then you know, giving birth to a human and then potentially nursing a human. <laughs> and then we're in, cause you said egg whites and I'm like, and then we're, you know, you see women eating like egg white omelets and with like low, I don't know. It just, it makes me, it makes me cringe and it makes me, it's so hard. And, um, so I think it's, it's really important and that people read this book <laughs> and see <laughs> the you. importance of these specific nutrients. Um, do you see oh, that a lot? Do you work with postpartum moms? Absolutely. I was going to say fats are so, so important. And I have yet to test, including myself, uh, and I ate high amount of fat. Um, in fact, I went into a light nutritional ketosis at like three months postpartum once milk was fully mm -hmm. rocking and rolling. And um, so, I mean, my diet was high, high, high fat. Um, and I still tested uh, functionally low on oleic acid. And it's because we're building a human and breast milk is such high fat. You're literally giving all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's something that I recommend also keeping essential fatty acid supplementation for at least a year postpartum in addition to food for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talk about the, the importance of DHA for fetal brain development. It's also so important. That's why a lot of formula is always trying to mimic the, the magic of breast milk, right? And, and now almost all formula is also going to be supplemented with DHA, um, which is a part of omega-3 that's very supportive for brain health, but it's just as important for mama's brain health and mood stability. And so a good quality EPA, DHA, omega-3 is really important on top of eating, like honestly, a whole avocado, mm -hmm. three tablespoons of a fat from like olive oil or avocado oil, as well as coconut oil, nut butters, and then high fat cuts of meat on a daily basis. And I started doing that about six months postpartum, just like went cut all sugar, all grains, and just started eating so much fat. And I didn't track anything. I felt so good. And then it's also mm -hmm. convenient because you don't have to, I, then I didn't feel like I had to eat every like two hours. I could go longer, right. but I would load it on. And then my brain, like brain power, stress, like everything would improved and sleep. And my milk was great. So it's yeah, like, high, you know, high octane fuel yeah, for sure. For the it's brain. amazing. Mm -hmm. So cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, hopefully that, um, like not, not to judge anyone for eating lower fat to higher, you know, and like, I just, I think postpartum is not a time to count or track. I think it's just oh. a time to eat <laughs> and yeah, eat and really nourishing foods. 
And that's where fats should be awesome because they're very dense, energy mm-hmm. dense. So like, you know, what you're doing with your cups, those are great things that you can have as a grab and go item, right? And mm-hmm. things, things that are like fat bomb type items are fantastic for that. All of the winners on the market of these, like I, I love F-Bomb, the brand out of Arizona, mm-hmm. of the nut butter packs. They do an awesome macadamia coconut oh my blend. Um, it's just, and just see <laughs> like those three ingredients. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, and so things like that are fantastic because you could throw them in the diaper bag um, and great to be feeding your toddler as they're bringing in first foods because... Hi friends, Laura here with some exciting news. Four Sigmatic has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially, you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like Rishi for calming cordyceps for an energy boost and Chaga for an immune boost. Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the Lion's Mane and Coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water, you mix in the blend and you're set. They have caffeine, caffeine-free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow, and all, they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website, find whatever mushroom blend is, is going to fit with your lifestyle, and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas, or simply type in modern mamas, all lowercase, all one word at checkout, you get 50% off. Check it out, see what fits your life, and happy shrooming. It keeps them sleeping through the night. Mm-hmm. It keeps their brain development rocking and rolling, and it's great for hormones, and it, it manages blood sugar. And that's the whole principle. you know. So my diet, the anti-anxiety diet, does use ketosis as a component to it. Um, and it's two-part. It's both that we want to bring down irregularities in blood sugar and get to kind of more of a map instead of mountain peak and valley, like a speed bump world, but also the fact that ketones can be therapeutic brain fuel. And so you can kind of get best of both worlds. That's awesome. I love it. Cool. Okay. So, um, now that we've kind of talked about where things might be going wrong and regular Western medicine, um, or just in general, how do we know where to start? So it could be, I think overwhelming if you're feeling anxiety, um, how to know where to start in terms of um, healing from that or helping to process what's going on and um, improve your, your state of mind. So could you just discuss various entry points to its treatment from your perspective yeah, as a so, in functional medicine? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the six R's that I use. So the first R is reducing inflammation. And that can be, and the way I kind of lay out my book is like a, um, if you remember those like choose your own adventure books, where it's like, sometimes I would cheat and like read to the end of the chapter to see if I wanted to take the ladder or the slide, usually the slide, cause it's more fun, but you know, I, <laughs> I kind of tried to write it like that in the sense that it flows with removal of inflammation first and foremost. And that's because um, we've seen actually in clinical research, elevated CRP or actual inflammatory markers in the blood trend with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, mania. And that's because our inflammatory chemicals of our body cross the blood brain barrier and they interfere with the way that neurotransmitters dock. So our actual synapse firing gets influenced by a chronic state of inflammation. So we have to reduce inflammation. Um, We look at resetting the microbiome. So uh, assessing if we're in a symbiotic balanced bacteria gut state, which is going to be very supportive of producting the production of the feel good neurotransmitters. Um, 90% of our serotonin is made in our gut. Uh, GABA is another awesome, magical neuro compound that we can talk about, um, which is phenomenal for anxiety specifically. And then when we're in a dysbiotic state, like if we have candida or if we have a pathogen, we actually make more epinephrine. So our body actually goes in chronic fight or flight mode. And that's a survival mechanism because something isn't right. And if we're in a dysbiotic gut state, we also get drills in our gut lining to let that bacteria escape. Um, and that only perpetuates the inflammation. So we go back to stage one, you know, as this kind of hop forward. Um, I talk about then 
repairing um, the gut lining and the integrity of the gut uh, lining, restoring micronutrient status. So like we talked about the goal of fats, different amino acids or protein building blocks that actually work as precursors or building blocks to our neurotransmitters, and then mood stabilizing minerals, as well as the role of B vitamins as activators. And then my last two R's are on rebounding the adrenals. And then I close with rebalancing our neurotransmitters. But, you know, like I said, you might come in someone, one of my clients from Houston that dealt with Harvey and had to be evacuated, you know, last year, they might come in at rebounding their adrenals because their cortisol is just totally plummeted from chronic fight or flight survival mode, different than a mama who might come in with repleting their micronutrients from the demand different than, you know, someone who's been on Zoloft or Prozac who might need to start with that neurotransmitter balance. And so everyone is going to have a different entry point of higher need, but that's kind of the, the, the different entry points that I've established. That's amazing. It's, it's a very, um, gives me a lot of hope to know that there's practitioners <laughs> like you out there who are not blanket treating people and you take them in based on their specific and unique needs. I think that is huge. So well, you. and even, <laughs> even with functional medicine, it happens just like any uh-huh. practitioner where it's like, everyone has leaky gut. I can tell you yes. so many people come to me and I'm like, well, dude, you don't have leaky gut. And they're like, but I was told I do. I'm like, your zonulin's normal. Your secretory IGA is normal. This is all your markers. What's what is someone using to diagnose you? You know, yes. and it's like, they learn this one module. <laughs> they just treat everyone that same yes. way. And you got to watch out for that, whether it's naturopathic or conventional treatment. That's very good advice. Um, awesome. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about inflammatory foods because you mentioned them and, and you mentioned like reducing inflammation. And so are there specific foods that you think are most important to avoid? Yeah, so I, I had to dig into, so I do a, a panel in my practice called the MRT test. And, and this looks at 170 foods and chemicals. It's different than an IgG test, which um, would be looking at a delayed food sensitivity. You would never want to run an IgE test. That would be a hypersensitivity, like a allergy to like shellfish or peanuts. So that's going to, you'd know if you have an IgE reaction and IgG is going to be a delayed reaction, but there's often a 40 to 60% false positive with an IgG. So it can be a frustrating expense. Um, and that's like what, like the pinner test is. There's a lot of tests out there right now that are doing an IgG. Um, so you can use that for a grain of salt to be your own, you know, um, I guess GPS, if you will. But the best, what I feel on the market is the, the MRT test. And this looks at a combination of type three and type four inflammatory food reactions on top of inflammatory chemical release. So it actually looks at the chemical warfare of inflammation in your body in response to 170 foods and chemicals. So it's pretty powerful. So you actually get to see, you know, where someone's superfood could be someone else's kryptonite. And that's something you can consider if you're dealing with chronic inflammation and it's not going down. Now, as a foundation to the diet, I pull out gluten, soy, corn, dairy, and sugar. And then I I kind of present the ketogenic diet as a a tailspin off of the removal of sugar. Um, And each of them have their own detailed reasons of why Um, dairy was probably the hardest for me because I'm from Wisconsin. And um, that's the one that I personally consume of those. Um, And then however you define sugar, I, you know, I mean, so I, I eat dates and I eat things like that. Um, But uh, the dairy was hard. I had to include it because casein um, can cross the blood brain barrier and it can interfere with our opioid receptors. And so when we're talking about irritability, anger, short fuse, and anxiety, that is one that I see as a very powerful tool in children that have ADHD. There's been so many studies on uh, manic depressive disorder, bipolar, schizophrenia, and the removal of dairy. Um, But I will say you're more susceptible to casein intolerance with a low stomach acid and low stomach, excuse me, low stomach enzyme function. So taking a good digestive enzyme can help to reduce that influence on the body. Okay. Awesome. Do you have a specific one you like? Cause I know there's a lot of different types of digestive enzymes. I've seen like papaya and like all these different ones. Is there one yeah. is there something to look for? Yeah. So I always recommend, especially if we're talking about 
gluten and dairy. Um, you want to look for something called DPP4. Um, it's a dipeptidase um, type 4. And that breaks down the gluteomorphin and the caseomorphin, the two opioid, they sound like morphine, right? So they're the yeah. two opioid influencers of gluten and dairy. Okay. Um, then you always look for bile. You actually want to have active ox bile in a good enzyme and HCL or hydrochloric acid. And then a blend of biological enzymes like lipase, proteases, um, and, um, like cellulases to break down vegetable fibers. Um, I have one in my line called digest aid and, um, obviously I think that one's the best cause I created it, but <laughs> I'll link to that um, one too. Yeah. Those are things that you'd want to look one. for as, as highlights. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I take that anytime I dine out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always say it's, not necessarily a permission slip, but it is going to reduce the influence of those foods on the body. To and it's really hard to know exactly, even at a really good restaurant to know exactly what's in your food when you eat out. For sure. And, 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 all of it. and it's that vicious cycle of when stressed, you're in that fight or flight mode. So you're only making about the quarter of the amount of digestive enzymes that you'd make in that parasympathetic rest and digest mode. So again, you, you know where the body's at with burnout and you supplement to support that. So if I'm public speaking and I'm traveling for business, I'm taking it with every meal if I'm hanging out on a Sunday brunch, I'm not taking it um, at home if I'm making brunch, but if I'm out, I'll take it. Got it. Kind of okay. depends. I, I pulse I like as needed. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So then foods to avoid. So then what are the foods that you like? What are some of your favorite meals uh, for mood stabilizing? Yeah. So one of the first, like magnesium is like the original chill pill. And so really important to acknowledge all of the forms of magnesium because many people are deficient in this mineral and um, it plays such a huge role with like neuromuscular relaxation. When I ask people about anxiety or stress, they're like, oh, it's moderate. And then I'm like, do you clench your jaw at night? <laughs> do you deal with constipation? It's like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. You're, you're stressed out, man. Um, and so Magnesium is really rich in leafy greens. One of my bar none rules is two to three cups of greens every day. So whether you want to braise those down, um, which would mean like you saute an onion in ghee or whatever your cooking um, fat of choice is. So ghee would be casein free. So that'd be allowed still without the dairy. Mm -hmm. um, cooking down whatever, uh, maybe allium or, or root you might put in and then adding your greens and then adding like some bone broth to braise it down throwing leafy greens as a base um, of like a salad to a burger bowl or something like that, throwing greens into a smoothie or whatnot, two to three cups of greens is like a daily need. What are your favorite then, ones? Do you have favorite um, greens? Does it oh, really count? Yeah, for sure. My for favorite. Sure. I figured yeah, it out, but. I love a good peppery or oh, Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I, I love, uh, and, and, you know, from the farming days, like, like deer tongue lettuce and all mm. these different fun heirloom greens are awesome. Um, but just, I'm a huge sucker for lacinato or Tuscanado kale. I really like that. Now, you really want to make sure that if you're eating kale raw, you massage it. Mm -hmm. um, I hate a bad kale salad where it's just like these raw pieces where you need three stomachs to digest it. I always feel like crap um, after. If I mm -hmm. eat like raw kale in a salad that has not been properly prepared, it does not, yeah. taste, or not, does so you, not make me feel well. Doesn't, it's yeah. not fun to eat either. <laughs> no, no. You're like my constantly. Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> So it should really be mechanically broken down, um, a good dense massage that actually activates a lot of the plant's enzymes, cool. and that's going to take out some of the bitter alkaloid principles, and um, then adding a good enough acid and fat to help to absorb the nutrients in there. And then otherwise, I generally recommend kale to be cooked so that it doesn't also have that thyroid interaction. Yeah. Um, but like kale chips is another great delivery for leafy greens. I love using collard greens and rainbow chard as like a quick roll up for yes. like a quick midday grab and go. Um, cool. I eat lunch in what I call an adult lunchable, which is just like Piccadilly, you know, like cultured vegetable, this some Marcona almonds, um, you know, some pieces of protein and whatever, uh, leftover roasted veg from last night. And that's kind of my lunch. And then I eat big bookend breakfast and dinner, which are more like sit down. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm the same way. Usually at least lunch or dinner, depending on the day will be that way where I'm just like, what do we have? I try to make sure I balance it out. I eat cheese, but I, I, you know, I went through a period where I didn't and then I yeah. added it back in and I'm very picky. It has to be either goat or um, typically raw if it's cow milk. And I do really well with those. I can do a little bit of raw, heavy cream, be fine. Can't drink milk and can't really do a, a lot of yogurt. It depends on the yogurt. It has to be like really fatty or again, like goat or sheep milk. And then I'm, then I do great. So it's interesting to play around with. And I think I've done a lot of healing, but I know that grains absolutely don't serve me. Yeah. Um, at all. Any type, any of the, even like the super, super food, quinoa, like all that. Nope. Doesn't work. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really interesting to see how different foods um, impact different people differently. Mm -hmm. But I feel like personally that there's some things like vegetable oils 
they don't serve anybody. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. and the issue and in too. industrialized oils, like mm-hmm. right, we're talking about canola or soybean oil, right. um, they're all rancid. Mm-hmm. And the issue is, is that our cell membranes, you know, literally what we're comprised of, our barriers of what keeps the mitochondria and all the things that belong in the cell, in the cell, and what shouldn't be in the cell, out of the cell, um, is, is bilipid. And so the fats we consume actually create our cellular integrity. And when we eat rancid industrialized oils, our cell membranes are made up of that. And, and that speaks numbers to the way that our cells are able to send signals to each other. And then, like I said, the way that our cells are able to defend against, you know, whether it's toxins, endocrine disruptors, or you name it, um, and then and then protect and, and support the function of what's in. And so it's really important that we focus on quality fats as a, as a key piece. I, I, will, I will tell that to anyone who will listen because <laughs> fats are huge, but they're not all created equal, just like with everything in life. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so and that's, that's one I'll travel with too. Like I have these little um, individual packs, yeah, whatever brands of like olive oil that I travel yeah. with. So I'm always like on yeah. top of it. And if I, right, if I abide into doing cheese, I'll take an enzyme and then I'm adding more fat on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's like a really good pairing. And then olives on top of that mm-hmm. and, and they're good yes. stuff. So good. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. We did actually get a question from a listener that kind of plays into this food thing. She asked if there are specific good foods to eat during PMS or menstruation um, for balancing mood hormones and helping with bloat, cramping, et cetera. Is there anything you have to add to that specific question? Yeah. So as far as uh, bloating and cramping, when we're in that PMS time, so our luteal phase is the longest phase of our cycle. So we have four cycles. Um, we don't have time to get into all of them. That's a whole episode, right? But anyway, the luteal phase is the end. And and, and that's what's going to come post-ovulation until you start your period. Mm-hmm. And um, during this phase, progesterone is supposed to be the peak hormone. And actually towards the end of luteal, estrogen does a little second rev. And that's where people get like the hormone-related acne or breast tenderness or the PMS moodiness. So I recommend bringing in um, flax seed in its whole form, actually, during that second part of your luteal phase. So like this would be like day like 21 or 23, maybe even until 28, if you're a 28 day cycler, Um, because flax does have some phytoestrogen relationship helping with the estrogen quotient. It actually binds as a lignan. It binds to excess estrogen. Um, and then you may even consider, I, I love maca as just a go-to hormone modulator. Maca, you can use in the diet um, and add to your smoothies, like one to two teaspoons a day. Um, you can make fat bombs with maca. You can take maca as a supplemental form, like a thousand milligrams or one gram a day. And um, this helps the pituitary. So it's going to support both that HPA axis of fight or flight and allow that pituitary to give more love into the ovaries versus just keep shunting all the energy to the adrenals. Um, and so it helps to offset that regulatory function and in hand, it's gonna help with progesterone. So often that PMS is either too low of progesterone to begin with or um, relatively low progesterone with that estrogen peaking. So that would be my two recommendations. And do you do maca like uh, cycle round like the whole time or is that? Yeah. 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 Maca I keep consistent. I just wrote Mm -hmm. myself a note to buy more because I'm out and I I do enjoy it. So you're like, wait, was I feeling better? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cool. Okay. Awesome. And then another question we got, um, same line, similar lines, but she, this woman asked, she said, um, if someone's been on antidepressants for some time, um, on and off for five years, is it possible to get off the drugs? If so, what have you seen historically with your patients who have gone to, um, to this process in terms of timeline supplements, lifestyle changes, et cetera? Have you yeah, seen I, people get off? Medicine? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that question. Yeah. So, um, always, 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 you want to add legs to the stool before you pull out the seat. Mm-hmm. So be mindful of that. I think often, I like you know, we, and I, I always like to be mindful that I, I, my book has no, place of shame. I hope, you know, there's, there's, that's not the at all message that I'm trying to share. It's empowerment and getting you back in the driver's seat of your, of the vehicle of your body. Um, and, and, you know, there's times and places for that end end stream quick bullet impact. Um, but over time, I think definitely we can optimize beyond what a medication can serve us. And um, there's a definite um, tools that you can consider. The first thing would make sure that you are taking a quality multivitamin with methylated B vitamins. Um, And so 
all too often, there's a lot of natural supplements out there. Um, and I'll call them out. I hope you don't get sponsorship and you can, if you need to, but um, like Garden of Life is one that right. so many people take and they have cyanocobalamin and folic even. acid. Yeah. yeah. And so it's one of those that like people, because it's like from, you know, they use plant media. So, it, and it's USDA organic, some of their components in there, but it's a synthetic supplement. Um, and those forms of those nutrients do not support neurotransmitter balance. So look for a multivitamin that has methylated B vitamins. You want five methyl tetrahydrofolate and methyl cobalamin. You should take that for at least six months before considering a medication wean and just regardless. And then the big thing you'd want to pull in is L-theanine. Um, so L-theanine is what is uh, found in matcha tea. So it is a modulator for our neurotransmitters. And what that basically means is it's like a pilot for the brain. So it helps to create neurotransmitters that are deficient, and it helps to metabolize the excess of neurotransmitters that are imbalanced. And it creates alpha brainwave activity. And alpha brainwaves are what are seen during concentration, focus, meditation, creative thought process, and REM cycles of sleep. I mean, it's like literally magic. Um, and you can take L-theanine as a supplement on its own um, or, and so when I'm weaning someone off of an antidepressant, I start them on L-theanine for three months and I use a, a formula in my line called Calm and Clear. This has both adaptogens and nervines and L-theanine um, and adaptogens help us to adapt to stress demand. These are things like cordyceps, ashwagandha, ginseng. And then nervines help us to have a calm response to stress demand. These are things like German chamomile, skullcap, valerian. And so it's nice to have both of those on a nutritional herbal support, as well as that L-theanine that resets the neurotransmitters. And then there's also in that calm and clear formula, B vitamins in a methylated form. So that's kind of like my like go-to as a preventative measure or as a tool. And then if it was an SSRI, we might pulse in 5-HTP during a wean, but that needs to be clinically monitored. You cannot take 5-HTP or St. John's wort um, as components when you're taking an SSRI, or that can drive serotonin um, uh, syndrome, which can be very severe. Wow. Okay. That is incredible. <laughs> and we, I mean, you and I talked this week a little bit because I, I was like, Hey, can we reschedule? I have no headspace right now. Life is crazy. And so we actually rescheduled this podcast because I was feeling anxious and I figured I didn't want to inter interview you when I was feeling anxious. And so I got to learn a little bit about your supplements and we'll link to them all. Um, and I, I will be ordering some and I'm just, I'm feeling grateful for all the work you put into creating things for us to use. They kind of takes the guesswork out of it, which is awesome. <laughs> and, and all my line is, is a private label. What I do is I look at all of the best pharmaceutical lines out there mm -hmm. and then I cherry pick and so like it's not like I'm like <laughs> crafting in your lab like, right yeah 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 no it's like these are things in my 10 years that I've been like oh this has helped a hundred percent of my population I'm gonna invest in a boatload of this and put my name on it because I want people to know at a blink that this works you know right. so that's kind of how that works um but yeah I mean the other the other tool I mentioned was GABA and just I think it's a it's a pearl for mamas to know about so GABA we think of serotonin as an anti-anxiety. GABA is the, the difference of serotonin and GABA. GABA is the white knuckle effect of stress. So we think of like Parkinson's disease where there's like tremors, right? Where an individual has no relaxation. They have tight rigidity in their neuromuscular function. Um, GABA can get depleted before public speaking. GABA can tank before flying on an airplane. It's, it's acute stress response. And it typically hits us with what I call white knuckle effect. It could be irritability. It could be short fuse. It could be impulse control where we're like going for more sugar. Um, or it can be an actual tremble, whether it's a, a little handshake or whether it's like a, uh, in the voice. Um, and GABA is something that I personally pulse. And when I say pulse, that means you take as needed, right? And I pulse that anytime I'm lecturing on stage, just because the feeling of bright lights and hundreds of people does that to you. Um, I pulse it when I, I, when I'm sometimes depending on the date, take my toddler to like target, um, <laughs> because it's like, I change my scope from, or a new class. Like if we're starting toddler yoga, um, and I'm like on top of her, like that type a, right. I told you it's type a. So I'll be like, okay, Stella, like everyone's doing down dog. Let's get into down dog. Get your, be your airplane, be the airplane, be the airplane. And that's not my Zen. Like that's not my B. That's not why we're there. That's not the purpose. I'm not serving her. And when I am able to take GABA, I'm able to be like, 
you beautiful child of God. Like you're just like doing your dance. <laughs> like I'm here. This is me. This is you. We're all in it together. And um, it just takes that edge. It's an edge biter. Um, and, and, and it's a powerful tool that you wouldn't use daily at like a time, right. like you would a B complex or a probiotic or a fish oil, but it's something that you take as needed. And it can be powerful for even with like a spouse relationship. If yeah. you've had an argument and you're getting the jitters about talking to them again, yeah. it can make you less bitey. Cool. So pretty cool. I love it. Yeah. I think when we yeah. were talking uh, through email, you're like, yeah, people have told me to save marriages. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, That's fascinating. The last question that I think we have time for, at least, is um, about more stimulating foods. So things like cacao, coffee, um, caffeine. Yes. Should someone who might have anxiety um, avoid those? Or is there a time to take them? Or is, is it kind of like a never? Yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's just like anything, listening to the body. But coffee specifically, that's why fat adding fat to your coffee can really help because it does blunt that epinephrine expression. So um, I know personally, I, I can't really do very well on a black coffee. Even if I'm eating eggs and bacon and avocado, I need to be blending fats into my coffee or heavy whipping cream if I'm doing liquid dairy, but usually it's coconut oil and ghee. Um, and that will, in a sense, not only create more satiety, but it does blunt that epinephrine spiking of the coffee. Even so, coffee is going to be a big stimulant. And I think, unfortunately, we're that stressed and wired where we rely on that run on epinephrine. Um, and that's where we're going for like that second, third cup. And that only perpetuates that fight or flight mode. So I generally recommend eliminating it completely or keeping it to six to eight max ounces. Um, so like a cup. And if you can trade it out for matcha, because matcha, you're going to get the caffeine, but you're going to get that L-theanine, that beautiful neurotransmitter modulator with the delivery of the caffeine and, and that will really help with mood management and That's reducing cool. anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, chocolate, it depends on the individual. That's also genetic. Some of us have both caffeine snips and chocolate snips. So some of us can like drink a cup of coffee and go to bed. Some of us are like up for four hours and the same with chocolate. Um, Cause chocolate has some awesome, like the, the theobromine in it, um, which is the, the plant compound that has antioxidants actually can mimic serotonin and endorphin function. So sometimes it can be a benefit for the mood stability. So I just say, listen to your body on that, watch a cutoff. And if you find yourself seeking that as a pick me up, mm -hmm. think more foundationally of, of where you can stabilize with more mineral density and, and B vitamin sources. Cool. Awesome, man. This is, there's so much here. Um, <laughs> I could keep going and going and going. I have more questions myself, but we'll save it. Um, do you have anything you'd like to wrap up with or share or tell our listeners before we um, wrap? Um, just that, I, I mean, I would, I would reiterate that whole like doctrine creates disconnect. So I put this book together as hopefully a comprehensive guide. Like I said, you may resonate with one chapter more than another, and, and it's okay to tunnel vision on that. So if you feel that you resonate with my, I gave you a quiz at each end of chapter. So there's like a leaky gut quiz, there's a dysbiotic quiz. And cool. so when something sings strong to you, allow yourself to tunnel vision that. You don't have to keep reading the pages and then worry about adrenals next. Focus on what is and listen to the biofeedback to your body. And Healing is a layering effect and supplements, again, are a tool that you can use to support your body to get above water while you're creating that foundational platform of food as medicine. And I find them to be a very balanced synergy. I think a lot of us have a negative connotation to, to taking pills or things like that. But also in today's society, a lot of us are running on empty and we're dealing with mediocre versus thrive mode and especially mamas. Um, we're running on adrenaline. So we have to figure out ways to metabolize that excess. We have to figure out ways to nourish and soothe and, and to be gentle on ourselves in the healing process and, and, and take those bite-sized pieces of application and, and, and get that rock in and then add another layer before kind of comprehensive overload. Yeah. Wow. That's great. I love it. And where can people find you? And we'll so link all this, but just yeah, so they yeah. Everything's at Allie Miller RD. So it's just spelled A-L-I-M-I-L-L-E-R-R-D. And it's at Allie Miller RD on Facebook and Instagram. And the website is AllieMillerRD.com. And um, on there, I have my blog and my podcast and all the things, books and programs and 
all the stuff. Beautiful. And you guys, if you don't follow her on Instagram, you should because she posts like really informative, insightful things. And she's, <laughs> I love that we've had like little dialogue back and forth through messages. I remember I was having a really tough week with everything and like feeling overwhelmed, but then I, but, and I did not go to the gym. I hadn't for a while. I was doing much more gentle oh, exercise yeah, and yeah. you just totally validated that. You're like, yep, yeah, that's exactly what you should be doing. And I was like, I knew that, but it felt good just to hear it, <laughs> you know, or read it, I guess. So thank you. Uh, if only I could save my potty training fail, it would help you in a year from now or whenever that would be. So <laughs> I was like crying on Instagram. I was like, why? Somebody <laughs> help me. It's very okay. raw. I, I, I love it. Yeah. I'm all about the like no filter. Like this is me. This yes. is my, my brand is no makeup. This is my stuff. So yeah. you know, this is, this is my, my daughter's screaming in the background of half my videos and that's what life is. <laughs> that is life. Yeah. We no filters. We're the same over here. I love it. Um, thank you so awesome. much for being here. And guys, you can find me at laura.radicalroots on Instagram, jess at jess.hold this space. You can email us at modernmamaspodcast at gmail.com. We're so grateful that you're here. Um, thanks again, Allie, and we will talk to you soon. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks. I don't know what to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. <laughs>